0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus.
1: Okay, so we're starting a new series today called The Gathering. Uh, a community set apart by the gospel as a compelling witness of Christ's to the world, now that whole sentence was written by Sheon, and it's uh, solid. So this is a message series that's going to be spread out all over 2021. We're just going to look at the local church. What is it? Why is it? It's important, and uh, why God has brought us into it. And the title of the message today is called "The Leadership of the Church, Part One." And today we're looking at elders, and next week Pastor Dennis is going to teach us on deacons and who can be deacons and how elders and deacons sort of work together for the good of the church and the leadership of the church. And so we want to start with elders today because we are installing an elder today, Sean Smith, and we thank God uh, for, for him. Now, like a doctor tells you important things about your health, I want to tell you some important things about elders. Here's, here's some important things we need to know before we look at the passage. God expects a church to have elders. So that's just that's a New Testament command. We're supposed to have elders. Elders are to be servant. Sorry, servant-hearted elders are a gift from God. So they need to have a heart to serve. We're going to see that in the text. The scriptures teach that elders must be qualified and that they share equal authority. Now, you guys hear me, because I'm the primary teacher in our church, um, more than anybody else. But I don't have more authority than the other elders in our church. It's an equal authority. That's the biblical way that it works. Uh, elders are raised up by the Holy Spirit. When I used to, growing up, I used to think that, you know, elders were just like, hey, the pastor really liked that guy, so he picked that guy. You know, like when you're on the, on the, on the schoolyard? and you're about to play some hoops and you're like, I'm just gonna pick my friend or I'm gonna pick that guy because I know he's got game. But elders are, it's not just just me like, hey, I really like Sean, so let's go with him. They're raised up by the Spirit. Elders are found eldering. And we just affirm what the Spirit is doing in their lives. Elders have to watch their life and doctrine. So you you can't just say to people, this is how you're supposed to live and then not be doing it yourself. You have to watch your life And doctrine. There needs to be this solid thing going on. You got to have something vibing with you and Jesus, or else you can't really lead the people of Jesus. So you got to watch your life and doctrine. Elders shouldn't be appointed quickly. It's not something you want to rush into, because if you rush and you make a mistake, well, that's that's trouble, and you got to deal with that. So you need to test, train. And then affirm them, the, the sitting elders and the congregation needs to say, yeah, we think that that makes complete sense. And this one's important. The desire, they're all important. What am I saying? The desire to be an elder is noble. The desire to want the role is noble. When you think about it, like an elder, an elder is just a, a mature man in Christ. Everybody should want to grow to that. And I want to say this. If you have the desire, it's okay To humbly let the elders know. The key there is humbly. So you're saying, I I have this desire, and I'm not saying you have to then make me one. And why do you do it? So that we can test, train, and affirm. So it's okay for you to have that desire. Now, we all care about lots of things, right? All of us have things we care about. We care about our style, how we look, our health. Nowadays, everybody cares about the news, what's going on in the world. We care about our eating habits. We care about our bills. Well, the same way we have things that we care about, God has things that he cares about. And one of the things he cares deeply about is the church. He cares about his church. And for that reason, he gives the church elders. Because he cares for his church, he gives them elders. And here's the thing. He gives them a job description. Right you you got a new job your boss says here's what we're expecting from you if you don't do this it's not going to work out well so just same way elders have a job description an elder can never look at Jesus and say i didn't know what you wanted me to do that you can't say that and you're like how do you know well we have a sabrina read it beautifully we have a whole text that is a job description here's the thing i want us to take away God tells elders exactly how to shepherd his people. He's very clear. This is how you're supposed to do it. This is not the way you are supposed to do it. He tells elders exactly how to shepherd the flock. And my aim in this message is I want elders to know that there's a way God wants us to lead. So that's, that's, that's the one aim. Here's the other aim. I want members in our congregation to know they have a passage that they can use to hold elders accountable. That's the balance. Elders, we, God says there's a way to lead. And the congregation needs to be able to say, here's a text that when I see leadership not matching, we talk about it humbly. And repentance and forgiveness and grace can be extended when it's necessary. But that's how it works. There's a text for the elders, know how to lead, a text for the congregation to hold elders accountable. So verse 1 says, so, chapter 5, verse 1, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well of a, as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So the, the, the command is clear. Peter says, shepherd the flock. He says, here's what you're supposed to do. But he tells them some things. First he says, he's like, I'm a fellow elder. So you got to catch that because that's important because that shows humility. Notice Peter doesn't say, I am Peter the apostle. I am Peter who walked with Jesus. I was with the man. I I am Peter who was in the inner circle. I am Peter who preached a sermon and 3,000 people got saved in a day. Think He doesn't say that. I wish I could preach and 3,000 people got saved. But he he preached and then it was like a megachurch on the spot. He doesn't say, hey, it's Peter the heavyweight. He says, I'm a fellow elder. And what that is is that it's a beautiful picture of humility. And Peter shows elders that humility is one of the things that should define us in the way that we carry ourselves. We don't walk around flexing our muscle and all that sort of stuff. We just humbly are among the flock, shepherding as we go. He models humility. And then he says, I'm a witness of the suffering of Christ. He said, like you, I'm just witnessing about Jesus. I'm, I'm telling others about Christ. See, Peter's not someone who is sitting on the bench. He's saying to them, I'm in the game. And so he says all of this. And then he says, shepherd the flock, and I want you to catch this, the flock of God. Don't miss that. The flock of God. You're like, what makes this flock so special? That's it. It's the flock of God. The church belongs to to God. The church doesn't belong to Marv. The church doesn't belong to Pastor Yogi. The church doesn't belong to Pastor Sean and Dennis. No, no, no. It belongs to God. It's his flock, and that is who we are to shepherd. It's his bride, bought with the blood of his son. Just if you flip back to chapter 1, verse 18, he says, Know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver or gold, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We are in the church of God because the Son of God gave his life. Gave his precious blood so that we could be invited into a relationship with God and with each other. It's not just any flock. It's a very special flock. And what this, again, teaches is that elders are stewards, not owners. They're stewards, not owners. And their job is to make sure that the flock is ready for when Jesus comes. That's the, that's, the, that's the work that is to be done here, that we are to present the bride of Christ to Christ when he comes. Now, there's some connecting words in the text that are really important, because this is just a good way to learn how to read your Bible. When you find connecting words, they actually tell you how the passage all fits together and how it's working. Connecting words help us understand this text. Here's the first one. It's in verse 1. It's the word so. He says so. Now that word could be translated therefore. Maybe if you have like an NIV or something else, you got it like that. Or another translation may have it as for this reason. And what that tells you is that you should actually look backwards. It's connecting to the previous passage. So this passage isn't just sort of floating out in sort of no man's land. It's actually connected to what is said before. So let's look back so we can understand the weight of what's being said here. So he says in verse 12 of of chapter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. So Peter's saying... Don't be surprised when suffering shows up. And like he's like, that's sort of the normal part of following Jesus. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when the glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So he's like, if somebody is like, Hey, I, I don't like you because you love Jesus. He's like, You're blessed for that. It means you're actually being open with your faith and you're not hiding it. But none of you, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. So now he's like, okay, you want to suffer for the right reasons because you're you're sort of in Christ, but you don't want to suffer because you're being sinful. So he's like, don't, don't let, don't suffer because of, don't sin. And then end up suffering because of that. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what shall what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their soul to a faithful creator while doing good. So Peter's like, let those who are suffering entrust their soul. So what is he telling you? He's like, these people are suffering. If you read 1 Peter from chapter 1 all the way up to here, that's all that's been going on. They're, he calls them elect exile. They're in, they're in a hard spot. You've got... in. In one chapter, you got, you got wives being told to, to, to follow the lead of an unbelieving husband, the, the hard reality of that. And then he says, with all that these people are going through, with all the the hard weight of life, he looks at the elders and he says, shepherd the flock. And he exhorts them. He says, you got to put work into this. you got to put energy here. And... The shepherding is because the people need help. The shepherding is because the people are suffering. And I want to give you a list of the way. How do elders shepherd? How do you shepherd the flock? Well, you do it by teaching the word and sound doctrine. You need to root people into something deep. So that when life hits hard, they have something to hold on to. There's a steady foundation. I know who God is. I know what He's really doing. I know how to think about the world rightly. You root them deep. You encourage the saints. You protect the flock from false teaching and false teachers. You comfort the hurting. You counsel the saints. You give them instruction. Here, here's what I think you should do based on what God has said from his word with what you're going through. You pray for the members. You lift your voice to God and ask him to help. You pursue the people who are straying. Again, when suffering hits us, when when life hits hard, it's easy to just drift away. We were talking to a lady in our church, and, and, and it was actually... I believe it was Sean on the call who said, how can we pray for you? And she said, just pray that I would keep the faith. Life is so hard. Pursuing the strength, mentoring the new believers, equipping the saints so that they minister to each other. We want to be that kind of a church where we life on life together, minister to one another. And then you're paying careful attention to the people. That, that, That word oversight has that idea. Careful attention to the flock. What are they reading? what are they listening to what are they watching are those things helping their soul or hurting their soul are those things drawing them closer to jesus who are they who are they spending the bulk of their time with is it is it making them sort of walk more faithfully if the answers are no to those things you want to you step in and you lovingly and gently call back and as we live through covid Social divide and violence. Conspiracy theories. If I hear another conspiracy theory, I'm going to snap. Shepherding like this is so big. It's so important. Why? Because people are isolated. People are angry. People are stressed. People are confused. And so the elders, Peter says, you can't just sit back. You got you to step in. You got to put in the work. Now, I want to say this as well it's not just on elders to do this. I wanna try to make sure I hold these things in tension. The elders do these things, but these are just things that believers can do for one another. If you're a member of our church and you look at this list and you see this, you should be like, I can do those things, because you can. And this is a way that we, we, we can minister to one another as we engage in the work ourselves, coming alongside the elders and saying, I want to I wanna help. And so many people are doing that already. But this is just a, these are just general things that we can do for one another. If somebody slips into false teaching, you just lovingly say, I love you. you got to stop listening to that person. Because what they just said is not in the text at all. We, we do these things for one another. And then I want you to notice that Peter says, so I exhort the elders. The word there is plural. I exhort the elders. See, plural leadership was always God's plan. That is God's plan for the church. Now, you can even see this pattern in the Old Testament. Let me give you an example. Exodus 18, Moses. So this brother wakes up. And he sits down, and he's judging and dealing with the issues of the people all by himself. And then his father-in-law rolls up on him, and he says, what are you doing? And Moses is like, what do you mean? The people need me. That's just kind of my interpretation of the text. And his father-in-law looks at him, and he's like, what you are doing is not good. In a translation, he's like, Moses, you're gonna die if you keep trying to do this all by yourself. And he gives him instruction and he says, you gotta find more help. Plural leadership is God's plan for the church. And here's, here's the thing, when, when the church is a one-man operation, you know who it's dangerous for? It's dangerous for that leader, and it's dangerous for the entire congregation. A one-man operation is not God's plan for his church. Plural leadership is the plan. Now I want to show you here what the benefits are of having multiple leaders. And I got this list, you can see there, from this book called uh, Finding Faithful Elders and Deacons by Pastor Thabiti Anabweli, One of my my heroes, really. And so I built the list off a quote in that book. He says, Having multiple uh, elders means that multiple spiritually gifted men will be sharing the shepherding load. So it's not on everyone. Something that we're going to be talking to you about is how we are dividing up the members of our church to responsibilities. Pastor Marv's going to be primarily responsible for these members, Pastor Yogi, these, and so on. Because we want to spread out the shepherding load. I can't care for everybody in our church by myself. I can't do it. I can't have the deepest relationship with everybody in our church. But we, if we have multiple elders doing it, then we can. And work at it that way. Not perfectly, but we can work at it. Multiple elders means they can hold each other accountable and help each other grow. Trust me, I've been an elder for a little bit now. It's a sanctifying process. And you need one another. Sometimes if you're drifting, another elder needs to say, brother, the the elders shepherd the elders. What are you doing? Don't go that way. And we help each other grow. They can encourage one another when hard times come. There is an abundance of wisdom for the messy challenges that come with church life. There's, There's lots of wisdom in the room. This is important there are different personalities and perspectives involved in the leadership of the congregation Mo- if you hang out with me and and pastor yogi you can tell we're different brothers yep. yeah but it's it's true it's important sometimes he says things i'm like i wouldn't have said it like that and i say things he's like i wouldn't have said it. but it works or he sees things in the pastor i'm like i didn't even see that we need one another, or there's a situation, and we can say, you know what, that thing's going like that because of this reason and this cultural sort of uh, issue that that person's working through. These multiple personalities and perspectives makes it so issues are dealt with in a really balanced and good way. And then he says, in the multitude of elders, their safety and plans are established. It's good for the church to have multiple Plural leadership. So then Peter tells them to shepherd. And then he says, who to shepherd? And then he tells them how to shepherd. Look at verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. I told you there were connecting words in the passage I gave you one here's another one it's the word but. It's the word but. Again, you're reading your Bible, you want to know what's going on, you just mark repeated words. The word but is there multiple times. So what you have here is that Peter this is is telling them there's a wrong way and there's a right way to shepherd God's people. There's a wrong way and a right way to shepherd God's people. So, and this word, but, what it's doing is it's highlighting contrast. There's a contrast happening. He says, not under compulsion, but willingly. Now, if you've ever kicked it with Pastor Dennis, I'm going to let me tell you something about him. You should always have a pen and paper ready. You know why? This brother is full of one-liners. It's just like, I sometimes I'm like, do you just like sit at home and try to like craft these things? Because in elder meetings, I'll just come sometimes out of an elder meeting with like a page full of things that Dennis said. And they're all like solid. Maybe it's because he's just lived a lot longer than me. But he's full of one-liners. We're in an elder meeting this week and he said this, and I'm like, I'm putting that in the sermon. He said, you know, try to picture Pastor Dennis's radio voice. You know, that, that heavy weight, like when he talks, that weight voice. Being, I want to try to say it like him, but I can't. So I'm just going to like, I'm just going to say it. Being an elder is a very serious thing. Then he would pause. Okay, so just picture him. Uh, look at this. A man needs to understand the weight of the call. The Lord needs to call him. This is, and this is perfect, and he needs to want to do it. That that's explains the whole verse. Not under compulsion, but willingly. If you force somebody into the role, if you force, they're not, they're not going to make it. They're, it's not going to work out. They're going to give up. If they are serving because of pressure, nobody else wants to do this job, so I'll take it. No. There needs to be a willingness. Then it says, not for shameful gain, here's the word, but eagerly. The word eager speaks of excitement. You don't have to be like, hey, can you please help us? Can you, you don't have to drag the elder out of bed to get them to do their job. They want to do it. Then he says, not for shameful gain. That means they're not doing it for money. It's not just about what they can get. See, an el- a healthy elder wants to serve. They're eager to serve. A healthy elder is wi- wants to give. They're not so much concerned about what they get. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Then he says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Domineering, this word domineering, maybe in some translations you'll see it as lord it over. Not lording it over those in your charge. That word charge could could be translated lot. It speaks of a, a portion. What Peter's saying is that there's a specific portion of God's people entrusted to a specific group of elders. And they need to not dominate them. They need to be examples to them. This portion, this lot, speaks of different local churches with members. And mem- that the reason why we press member, membership so much in our church is because when you say, I'm a member here, you're saying, I'm coming under the leadership of the elders of this church, and I'm I'm wanting you to care for my soul. If you just kind of float in and out of the church, just like week to week, here and there, whatever, when we can gather normally and never come under, then it doesn't mean you, we don't, the church doesn't care about you. And there isn't some level of responsibility. But for the members of our church, there is a, a very serious, and we take that really seriously. Because the word says it, not domineering over those in your charge, those who have said, you are my shepherds. This is, T-North is my home. But being examples to the flock. And all Peter is doing is he's just repeating Jesus. He's just repeating what he heard, Matthew 20. Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. So what Jesus is exposing here is that there's a real reality that when people get in leadership roles, the temptation to abuse it is there. And then he, what does he say? It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Why is Jesus so great in our eyes? Because he served us. That's one reason. There's lots of other reasons why Jesus is great, but one of the reasons is because He served us on the cross, dying in our place. And so, what Jesus is calling for is what He's already done Himself. Even the fact that He's standing there saying this is he, it shows that He's already serving because He came. And so He says, "Lead the way I lead, serving the flock." Domineering leaders are disobeying Jesus, and they're misrepresenting Jesus. Do- Let me say it again. dominating, Domineering, lorded over kind of leaders are disobeying Jesus, and they're misrepresenting Jesus. Because they're saying, Jesus would lead like this when they're being done, and he wouldn't. He's a true shepherd. Jesus used his authority and power to serve the needs of others. Again, I've been throwing lots of lists at you. Here comes another one because it's important. I want want you to really understand what this looks like. So again, another list. Here's an example of elders who are domineering and ones who set good examples. Domineering leaders think they're above correction. So you can't tell them nothing. They think that whatever they say goes. They think that the church belongs to them. Remember, we talked about that. It doesn't. It's the flock of God. They speak without listening. So they're just rude, harsh. They never seek feedback, suggestions from the members. Again, just think, I got got it all right. I don't need to talk to anybody. The people don't matter. They guilt others into obedience. They manipulate things to get their own way. They forget that they're one of the sheep. And that when they're reading the scriptures, it's it's just talking to them just the same. That every command that is there for the the, the the congregant is also there for the elder, that we're all just really sheep, and some of us are just given a role for a time, and it's only gonna be for a time. We're, I'm not gonna be an elder in heaven. I'm just gonna be one of the brothers kicking it. They forget they're one of the sheep. They're heavy-handed on issues of Christian liberty. They have a personal conviction, and they're like, everybody should have this conviction. But you're like, there's like no clear verse on that. They create an environment of intimidation and fear. Let me say this clear. Domineering leadership is an abuse of pastoral authority. And if you see it, you call it what it is, sin. And here's what drives it. Pride and no fear of the Lord causes behavior like this. If you have somebody who's domineering in their leadership, what you see is somebody who does not believe God is going to call them to account. And it's pride and it's sinful. Now, all that aside, let's look at some good stuff. Elders who set good examples, they love others. Believers and unbelievers Remember, an elder needs to be well thought of by outsiders. So they live a life of love towards those in in the church body and those outside of it. They spend time with the Lord. Can't call somebody to do something you're not doing. Time with the Lord and word and prayer. They show character and integrity. They can handle the word. Now that's important. Who would go to a doctor that's like, hey, I don't know how to do any of this. I don't know anything about your body. Lori's smiling because she's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to work at that hospital either. Right? Nobody would go to a doctor that can't help, that doesn't know what they're doing. So why would you want to go to an elder who doesn't know how to handle the word? You need to be able to handle the word so that you can teach sound doctrine and refute error and help the saints. They need to be able to be serving the saints. They have to serve They need to be willing to speak the truth in love. Not afraid to say what is hard. They need to be fighting for their purity. They need to be humble and approachable. They need to have faith in God's power and his promises. They need to be patient with the flock. Paul talks about that. Teach the flock with with patience. They need to build others up with their words. They need to be able to enjoy life in the company of others. Right Now that's talking about being hospitable, know how to laugh, know how to have a little fun, right? Nobody wants to just be around someone who's uptight all the time. Like, bro, chill out. And they need to take time to rest and recover. That is the way that elders can set very good examples. Here's what I want to say. God wants elders to lead by example, not by force leading by example not by force and when an elder sets a good example do you know what they can say they can say follow me as i follow christ follow me as i follow jesus i'm just one of the sheep and i know i've been called for the moment to be out ahead and so i'm working hard i'm i'm praying and i'm pleading with the spirit for help to do this now i don't get scared very easily but two things scared me this week. Here's the first one. Kim showed me a video of a man waking up to a snake in his bed. Right? I literally, I was sitting next to her on the bed. I was like, oh. Ah. I, I, it was like, what? Why are you showing me that? And it's like one of those, like you know, the rattlesnake, like like the. I don't know how that, that sound is. Anyway, it was just scary. There was that. Here's the other one. This. The list I just gave you. There was a, there, and it's because the spirit. I was literally sitting in my office, looking out the window, and I like you know when you get that like funny feeling in your in your gut. Like I was afraid because there's weight. To, it's not a simple thing to be like. Peter says, "Be an example to the flock." The weight of that, and not to lead this way, and so it made me realize that one of the, one of the things that we have to do is pray, and so I actually want to do that right now, and I've asked Sabrina to come up and pray, to pray for our elders, to, to ask God to help us to do something that honestly is beyond us, that without the Spirit's help, we cannot do it. And so we're gonna take a moment to pray and then I'm gonna to try to land the plane. Let's pray, Sabrina.
0: Oh, Father God, we just praise you, Lord. For your word, we thank you that you have shown us clearly what it means to shepherd your flock in your word and and through you, Jesus, we see what it means to be a good shepherd. And Father, so I just pray uh, for the elders of our church, Lord, for the elders of Hope T. North. Father, would you use them mightily in our church would they lead by example, Father? Would they lead with hearts that are humble before you, that fear you, Father, and that love your people well? Um, I just pray for for their um, marriages, their families, their kids, Lord, would they be um, good husbands, good men um, in their own lives, in their personal lives, and in the life of the church, Father, and we just praise you that we can look to you as, as the person where our help comes from, the source of our help and our truth, and so, I pray that you would strengthen our elders as well, Lord, that they would look to you for for guidance when they feel weak, and and we just praise you for the way you've designed the church and and the fact that we can have people who lead us and guide us in your word and in life, and um, so we just praise you for that, Lord, and we ask for your blessing in navigating such a a difficult role sometimes, um, just to be able to do that with grace and with patience and I mean, I thank you even for Marv now as he teaches us from your word and just the wonderful ways you've gifted our elders in such different ways, Father. Help them to use their gifts well, um, not for their own selfish gain, Lord, but for your glory and, and for the good of the church. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. So in our culture, awards get given out. Right, Different times in the year, somebody gets handed a Grammy, somebody gets an Oscar, somebody gets an MVP trophy. Well, it's the same in the kingdom of God. Awards are given out. Solid, healthy, hard-working elders are rewarded for their work. You're like, where do you get that? In the text, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There is a great reward for shepherding God's people. That's what Peter says. So he tells them how to shepherd, and then he tells them you'll be rewarded for the shepherding. And then he says a couple things about Jesus. He says Jesus is the chief shepherd. Did you catch that? And when... The chief shepherd appears. See, what he's telling you, again, is this reminder. He said, Remember, he says, the church is the flock of God, so it belongs to God. Now he reminds you of, again, God is in charge. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Conrad M. Biwe said, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. When a shepherd has many sheep, he divides them among other shepherds who work under their, under his immediate supervision they are called under shepherds that is what church leaders are under shepherds under Jesus Christ church leaders are not the ultimate authority in the church it is Jesus Christ this is important and they should carry out their work in the way in which Jesus wants them to Here's why this is important, Hebrews. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, most leaders love that first part of that verse. The second part scares me. For they keep watch over your souls. There's this idea again of oversight. Shepherding as those who will have to give an account We are under shepherds under the chief shepherd, and we will have to explain how we cared for the souls of the members of His church. It's not a small thing. And so there's great weight there. and that's why it's, I, I appreciate Sabrina praying for us because we need, that's probably one of the main things I want to ask for today. Pray for us because there, there's, a, there's an authority over the elders. And we'll have to explain how he cared for the flock. So he tells us Jesus is the chief shepherd. Shepherd Can't say that right. Shepherd. And then he says, Jesus is coming again. Again, it's in the text. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive. Jesus is coming. Jesus came once. And what did he do? He came to seek and to save the lost. He came and he gave his life as a ransom for many. He came to destroy the work of the devil. And every time you think about our church family, you realize that all those things are true. We were lost. We've been brought back into the flock. Jesus is still saving people today. Satan can't keep people out of the kingdom of God. The work of Satan is actually being destroyed. I said this in the previous sermon. That's why he's fighting so hard because it's a losing battle. So Jesus has done all that, and he will come again. And when he comes, he's coming to take the saints to be with him. He's coming to reward believers for their work. It says, elders will receive the unfading crown of glory. They get this award for bringing the people of God through all the ups and downs of life. What this teaches us, it's the value of pastoral work. Sometimes people can look at pastors and be like, ah, oh, that's just unimportant. It's, one, it's the most important work in the world, if you actually believe the scriptures. The value of the work, it also tells elders that their labor is not in vain. And so this one little verse should actually help elders continue to abound in the work of the Lord. Because your labor is not in vain. So Peter tells elders who to shepherd. He says how to shepherd. And then he motivates them to shepherd. He motivates them to do the work. He says that there's an award coming. Being an elder takes work. you got to put on your hard hat and your work boots. It's not a small thing. It takes work. But being an elder, you got to catch this, is a privilege. It's a privilege given by God. And it's not to be taken lightly because God has entrusted elders with his flock. And he's told them exactly how to shepherd his people.
0: For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.